Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome to this special episode of CEO on the Go. You know, that means I have an awesome guest, right? When I say I've got a special episode. Last week, I did a short solo episode called How to Respond When You're Caught Off Guard. And I did that episode in part because I know a number of leaders who've expressed a sense of powerlessness lately for a number of reasons that I talked about in that episode. So I wanted to build on that idea in my conversation today and to understand the concept of power, what it is and how to use it. You know, power is often misunderstood. So I had a delightful conversation with Tiziana Casharo, and I'm probably destroying her name because my Italian is not that good. So I'll spell the last name. It's spelled C-A-S-C-I-A-R-O, Casharo. She's a professor of organizational behavior at the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto. Her research on organizational networks and power dynamics has received distinguished awards from the Academy of Management, and it's been covered in the New York Times, CNN, The Economist, The Financial Times. ABC, Fortune, and and some other media. She advises leaders across industries and has been recognized by Thinkers 50 as a management thinker most likely to shape the future of how organizations are managed and led. She's co-authored a new book coming out called Power for All, and her co-author is Julie Badalana, who I believe is a professor at Harvard Business School. I really like the idea of creating a power map, which is a concept that Tiziana will describe. The book offers additional concrete ideas on what you can do to increase your influence, so I really encourage you to check it out when it comes out, which is at the end of August. I think you'll find a lot of hope in this episode as you consider ways to use your own power for good. So enjoy my conversation with Tiziana Casharo. Tiziana, welcome to CEO on the Go podcast. Thank you for having me, Gail. I know that you and I talked a little bit before our recording about some of the issues that I know my clients have been struggling with. So I think we're going to have a timely conversation today about power and how to use it, how to understand it. So um, first of all, I know that you've got a new book coming out. So why don't you just share a little bit about what motivated you to write the book and what, what readers might expect? Yes, the book is titled Power for All, How It Really Works and Why It's Everyone's Business. And uh, my wonderful co-author, Julie Batilan, and I wrote it to help people see power differently and not just at this blunt tool that only a few privileged people can get access to or, or dirty business that you want to stay away from, but as a force, as energy that we can all harness to make our work, our community, and our world a little bit better. So it's, it's a motivation to uh, debunk some of the myths that are around power, help people see beyond the curtain of power's inner workings, 
And once you see and understand how it really works, you can do something about it. You're not at the mercy of the will of other people. Good. I want to hear more about that. So speaking of which, I know that uh, a lot of the leaders that I've been working with recently have, have been struggling a little bit because they feel like they haven't had the power that they need or that they want. You know, And it's not just from the pandemic. There are other forces at play. Oftentimes, it's uh, politics, uh, other factors that they feel are are really hindering their ability to lead in the way that they want to and to, in some ways, take away their power. So I was curious to know what you have to say about that, uh, how, how leaders might deal effectively with top-down decisions that are being made uh, where they don't have as much control of, in the decision-making process as they would like to have. Mm, absolutely. It's an extremely common problem. Uh, it's both top-down decisions, but also external events that change completely the direction of a company. And, and you are, even as a leader, uh, even with a position of authority at the mercy of all of that. So to, to address that kind of situation, you have to first understand what power is. Power is the ability to influence the behavior of other people. And it comes from having control over resources that those people want. So you have power over somebody, which could be your CEO, right? It could be somebody who comes down with, from the top with a decision and you are on the receiving end. You have power with that person if you have something that they need or want and if you are one of the few people who can give it to them. Because if you have something that they want, but many, many others can give it to them, then you don't have particular power because they can get it elsewhere. They don't depend on you. And vice versa. They have power over you if they have something you want, and if they are one of the few ways that you can get that valuable resource, right? So let me illustrate with a short example of a person in a position of leadership in, a, in an elite firm who found herself in, on the receiving end of enormous events over which on, on the face of it, she had no control. I'll take you back to 2008, October, the stock price of this elite bank on Wall Street where this managing director worked had collapsed 85% from a year prior. And this managing director uh, was in HR, talent, that kind of function. So a cost center that was seen as just a burden at that point because it was unclear whether the firm would survive at all, whether the doors would open at all the following day. So she saw the firm fire almost all of her team, and she knew she was on the chopping block herself. So this is a situation where you have somebody from the top making decisions over which you look like you have zero control. So the question is, what can you do to reclaim your power in that kind of situation? If you remember the definition, you have power over somebody, if you can give them something they want and you are one of the few places where they can get it. So this particular executive went through exactly that, that thought process. She said, what can I do to be relevant? If, I'm not, if I don't give something to the firm that is highly valuable, I'm going to be out of here very quickly and I'm going to become one of hundreds of HR experts on the job market looking for a job. And she identified resources that the firm valued 
particularly at that time of financial crisis. In particular, she thought, well, you know, the firm is going to have to reinvent itself. Most of its critical functions, finance, audit, risk management, would have to be absolutely rethought. And so you need two resources to make it work. You need one, executives that have the skill sets to do that transformation. And she knew that internally they had very few, and so they had to retain them. And externally, they had people that could do it, but they were not acculturated to this firm that has a very strong culture and they needed to be molded. So she develops an extensive, expensive training program for these external hires to be embedded in the firm culture and for the existing executives not to be poached by others and presents this plan to the CEO and the whole management team with metrics saying, if we do these things, we're going to be able to get this investment back in multiples because we're going to get people that can have produce business, expand business. We're going to give the right resources to the right people to do their job. And the CEO, sure enough, not only did not fire her, but approved this plan. She became the go-to person to execute this training program and, in fact, delivered on all of those metrics and survived with flying colors. Now, what you see here is this idea that she came up with a resource that the top of the firm really valued. And she also came up with a plan that they could not find elsewhere. She had put it together in a way to make herself unsubstitutable. So all of this is to answer your question that if you receive orders from the top, what you need to understand is that those orders always come with some objective. And if you understand why does the leadership of my company want this? Why are they sending down this stuff? What do they want out of it? And you concoct a way to deliver what they value and make yourself one of the few people that can do it. Because if you ask other HR executives, and I did, what would you have done in that situation? Most don't have an answer. So not everybody goes through the thought process of what is valued in this new reality with these new directives and how to deliver on it. Yes. And I'm guessing a lot of people listening might think, well, I wish I knew what was the thought process behind what, what was going on at the top, or they may not have access to the decision makers at the top. So to your point, I think they have to do, do their best at looking at what they think would be most relevant in light of whatever the situation is that's occurring and come up with a plan. That's right. But I think that the executive I just described uh, on, the, on the surface, looked exactly like the person you're describing. It, she looked like somebody who didn't have access. She looked like somebody who did not know what to do. And it took conscious effort to say, okay, the world is changing. Let me sit down and think about what is the newly valued resource that I need to deliver here. Then, you know, it, it takes a bit of creativity and expertise. Yes. I was going to say creativity, <laughs> using your imagination. Yes. That's right. Because, you know, the, many HR executives sometimes uh, don't understand, necessarily understand the business so deeply. And that's homework, right? For all of us. You know, if I, whatever domain you are, if you understand what is necessary for that business to function, 
What are the critical things that need to happen? Most of us can come up with, okay, how do I get to be the one who delivers them? And, you know, of course it takes a team. Uh, she didn't do it alone. She, you know, rallied the right people to execute on this plan. Yes. And that's using her influence as well, just to rally the team. Absolutely. Well, you know, and they rallied around her because once she presented this plan that they had not come up with, they understood it was good. But first of all, the CEO has said, yes. So of course you understand it's good because if you have the approval of the people on top, of course you have some cards to play, but they got it. So if you, you can influence others when you give them a prospect of something positive and good that can come of it, when they can see that they also can get something that they value, which is a job. You know, at that time, people were losing their jobs left and right. Investment banking was in a major turmoil. So if you have a, somebody who comes up with a plan that allows you to keep your job and, and still prosper, uh, they will follow you. That's, that's influence, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great example. And in more current times, it seems like things are changing so quickly. Organizations are having to move faster in their decision-making process. And a lot of leaders are feeling like they're, they're not able to make the best decisions or sometimes they're left out of the, the decision-making process. You know, it's, they're questioning their own power, their stamina <laughs> to endure a lot of this. So I was just curious to know with some of the, the more current examples of organizations that are in the midst of change where everything's so uncertain, how can people step up today in, in light of those scenarios to say, I am claiming my power or I'm determined to find my power if I don't think I have it? Um, what, are, what are some strategies that you think they should be thinking about based on what's been happening in today's world? Yeah, it's, um, it's a matter of not being surprised uh, by the evolution of events, you know. To expect it to be. <laughs> to expect, that's right. That's exactly right. To, to be very alert to what is happening around you uh, and construct what uh, Julie and I called a power map. A power map is a way to understand your work environment that identifies who are the influential people at that point in time, why they're influential. They're influential because they control uh, valuable resources. And what is the type of coalition you can form to push forward the things that are important to you? Who are the people that are going to resist some of your ideas and the things you want to do? Power mapping requires two skills that are particularly valuable in time of turmoil, in time of uncertainty. One is uh, observation. And we underuse our observation skills. Imagine, think about all the meetings you have attended in your life where you were somewhat bored because they were going on too long. That's a lot of them, yes. It's a lot of them, <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's a shared experience. Uh, we have encountered uh, people of different uh, level of rank who are phenomenal at using that time to build a power map. What does it mean? They pay close attention to who is talking more in that meeting. Who do people defer to in that meeting? Who do people ignore in that meeting? Who do people get irritated by in that meeting? And it's a way to 
get the, the pulse of who has sway in the organization at that point in time. Right. So it's really not even, I was going to, sorry to interject, but I was just going to add that it's not about looking at the title alone and assuming that that person has the power. It's really increasing your awareness, having a keen sense of awareness about where the power truly lies. That's it. And uh, you, you're, you're capturing one of the biggest misconceptions about power. But a lot of people tend to equate authority and power. And authority, yes, of course, it gives you something because it's the right to give directives and give orders. But giving orders does not necessarily mean that people will, will actually follow them. And uh, we have a major disconnect right, between where you sit in the hierarchy and, and how much influence you actually have. So there's a lot of CEOs that are uh, the people that you uh, frequent uh, who are surprised oftentimes that you know, they, they come up with a wonderful change initiative that they think makes so much sense and everybody should totally endorse. I see that a lot, yes. And then it doesn't go anywhere. And uh, they are flabbergasted when we tell the, well, you might want to look for possibly a middle manager who has a really strong network in the organization. And the network is a matter of partly choice, right? Uh, you and I may be on the same team and we need to talk just because we were assigned to the same project. But maybe we will choose to talk to each other a lot more then we talk to some other person on that team that we don't particularly resonate with. Those are choices. And the network that emerges from those choices is critical to making change happen. So in that meeting where you're getting bored and you don't know what to do with yourself, one thing you can do is build the, that network in your mind. And of course, in addition to observing that meeting, you walk the hallways, you see who talks to whom, you see who goes out to lunch with whom, now in the times when we could, in fact, go to lunch together. That's observation. That's the first skill that we all need to not be surprised by the events, to not be taken aback. Right. So, and did you say there's a second skill? There's a second skill. Okay. Which has everything to do with asking questions. Uh, we underuse inquiry. Uh, when we are young, we tend to ask a lot more questions. And then over time, partly because as professionals, we are so proud of our competence, of our expertise, that we feel like we have to give answers, not ask for, uh, you know, ask for input. But asking questions is critical. There are many questions that you can use to construct your power map so that the territory around you is a lot easier to navigate. So what, one question, uh, we mentioned many in the book. I'll, I'll just underscore a couple. Who do people admire around here? That's a very positive question. You don't want to go asking um, a type of question that may sound a little twisted and manipulative. You know, who is going down, who's going up? You know, th those are clearly put you in a territory of, what are you looking for here? And this is not a fair play in many ways. But, but inquiring about who are the people that are admired, that are role models, starts a conversation about the organization that allows you to you know, sort of identify who are the hubs of influence and why do they have influence. Maybe it's because they see faster than others what are the valuable resources, how they're changing over time. And they can keep you up to date in a time when it's so hard 
to follow the events and not fall behind. Another question that uh, is very valuable is, what is valued around here? What does the organization value? And you can see that from the point of view of who gets a promotion, who gets a prime assignment, uh, who, who, who leaves, who stays, who have a sense of those rewards that uh, can tell you what kind of, of contribution you can make that makes you valuable. But it requires paying attention. Just like our executive in that investment bank, it, it didn't come to her just from the sky, this idea. She had to think about it and she had to observe and ask questions to get to the core or where the power lies. Yes. Some of the challenge or frustration is when a, a company says that they have certain values, but you really don't see them showing up in, in ways that they need to in the workplace. So that can be frustrating too. So to your point, I think you have to observe the true values, you know, what they really do value in the organization um, to be strategic. That's right. And you can only see, you're absolutely right. You can only see the truth from the actions, mm-hmm, not from the stated uh, <laughs> list of values. Oh, right? no, we're, we are inclusive. All yes. right. Yes. Show yes. me who, who gets the prime assignment. Who gets them? That tells you the whole story. If it's a certain kind of person versus another, uh, you will uh, quickly derive what is truly valued. Yes. Good. Um, one other question, you know, and this can be sensitive when you observe something that's going on in the organization that you don't like, or that could even be considered to be unethical. Do you use your power in a way that's different? Or, you know, how do you even make a decision, a personal decision about how to confront that kind of issue? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a concern that affects a lot of people, because it is my observation that most people want to do good. Uh, Very few people wake up in the morning and say, today, I want to be mean and unfair. I don't think so. People don't wake up in the morning with that kind of goal, unless, you know, they have psychopathic tendencies of of one sort (laughs) or another. So a lot of people are confronted with um, things that are not right, and they want to make them right. What can you do? The power map always helps because... It allows you to identify people that can be in your coalition to push back. There are uh, challenges when it comes to power that you cannot solve alone. You need to build a bit of a movement in a sense. And uh, when you have the lay of the land, because you have observed, because you have asked good questions over time, you've not sat there just passively you know, doing your work, but you've actually taken an active interest in your environment. When you see, observe that unethical behavior or that power abuse, you will have ready candidates to coalesce around and build a bit bit of a force as opposed to being completely alone in in facing that. Yes, that's good perspective. And I like your advice too of, of putting together the power map. And I'm guessing it's something that needs to be revisited fairly frequently now because organizations are changing, the talent is moving around, uh, leaders are moving around, uh, true leaders, not necessarily those that that have the titles. So I think that that's a really important exercise that leaders need to take advantage of. That's right. And I would also add to that the power map has to be broad. So what we see in a lot of companies is that people get so sucked in 
a little work environment because they deal with a, a manager who's not good or they're not getting the attention from their, their subordinates. So you get really wrapped up in a very small world. That is a terrible power map. What gives you power is when you have reach, when you expand beyond. Because if I don't get along with somebody close to me, one of the best options to increase my power is to get alternatives beyond that relationship, to not get fixated on that relationship, to say, okay, how can I build other relationships? Mm -hmm. Broaden that circle. Yes. Broaden the options. And it can be internal options where, you know, maybe there's another client uh, that I can hop on board of. Maybe I can go to another department. Maybe I can find a, the manager of the manager who takes an interest and then reassigns me. Okay. And there can be external options. Yes. Yes, absolutely. There's nothing that increases your power. It's more to say, hey, I don't have to be here. I'm not dependent on you because I have cultivated my external network so that I can you know, find options that don't require me to just sit there and be on the passive receiving end of a lot of abuse that I don't like. So the power map certainly uh, uh, helps. But then you can, also, you can also work with others to change the company culture slowly but surely to make power abuse less frequent and more frowned upon. And power abuse is um, as clear sources. We know that power has two effects on our psyche. When I, when I feel powerful, when I am powerful, uh, I tend to become one, less empathetic. Uh, we become focused on ourselves because we don't need other people as much. And so, you know, you can objectify them, you can ignore them, you can treat them mean. It's a lot of, of people that misuse their power do it because they become insensitive to other people. So cultivating that empathy in them and the whole organization so that people don't accept it, don't accept that kind of behavior quite as, as much is very important. And you, and you do that by highlighting how interdependent we all are. Uh, so I'll give an example. Microsoft has changed uh, their performance um, rating system. They don't do ratings in the traditional way anymore. What they do is ask uh, questions that get at how you cannot be self-focused because you don't work alone. You work, you need other people. So they ask things like, how have you contributed to the products, the services, the work of others? And how have you benefited from the input, the ideas, and the work of others? That's the core of the evaluation. So they're reinforcing something that's completely different in the, in the performance review system. Yeah. Reinforcing the importance of connection. Yeah. That's it. And when you have somebody who abuses their position of power, one of the better ways to uh, bring them back to better behavior is to remind them that they are more interdependent with other people than they think. Power goes to your head. You think, I don't need anybody. I don't need to pay attention. I don't need to listen. All of those things are extremely detrimental. And so, you know, in a sense, you can redesign your system so that that kind of behavior is discouraged. Yes, yes. 
Good. Well, gosh, there's so much more we could talk about. I love this theme. Um, like I said, it's so relevant right now, given what I know a lot of, of my leaders are struggling with and challenges that they're facing uh, that are related to trying to understand and claim their power. So I so appreciate your spending some time with me. Is there any final thought or takeaway that you'd like to to leave with people to help give them some hope or encouragement to really claim the power that they may or may not realize that they have? Yes, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, show people that power is for them too. Uh, we we have a tendency to think that, oh, it's, it's a higher ups and it's not really something that I can truly uh, work with. Or it's so uh, manipulative and coercive and, and mean that I don't want to have it. I really would like for people to engage with power with the idea that they can do good work through it, that it's the essence of any change you want to make, any goal you want to attain can only be attained if you master the power to influence the behavior of other people around you. And so power for all indeed is my, my hope for everyone. Good. And that's a power that's forced for good. I love that. Yes. Good. So, um, Tiziana, what is the best way for people to reach you and how can they find your book? Well, the book is going to be released on August 31st. Uh, it's titled Power for All, How It Really Works and Why It's Everyone's Business. Uh, it's edited by Simon & Schuster and you can find it in every bookstore and uh, we'll have a web website up very soon that you can reach both Julie and myself uh, through. Okay. I'll include a link in the show notes to that. So perfect. Good. Well, thank you again so much for joining me today. I wish you the best in your authorship journey and in the great work that you're doing to spread the word about the good that power can create. Indeed. Thank you, Gail. It was lovely to chat with you today. Good. And for everyone else listening in today, I hope you have a great rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, feel free to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn or visit workmatters.com. You might also want to check out the Social Movement TV show, a bold new docuseries that brings together entrepreneurs from all over the world to solve impossible world problems. I'll be featured in season two, and you can learn more by visiting workmatters.com forward slash social movement. Until next time, keep growing as a leader and doing the work that matters to you.